0: Welcome to the Good Question with Jessica Tanderup podcast. I'm Jessica, and I have a passion for asking hard questions and going deep in conversation. Usually, these discussions happen over dinner or coffee with a close friend. But on this podcast, I bring them to you because I want you to know, if you have questions, you're not alone. On this show, I invite apostolic leaders leaders thinkers, and fellow believers to tackle the tough topics questioners face as we strive to live out our biblical mandate to love God, love people, and take the gospel to the whole world here in the 21st century. I hope you'll stick around because when you know Jesus is the answer, every question can be a good question. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to Good Questions Season 4, Practical Tips for Christian Living. We have another great conversation to share with you today that I know is going to get you thinking about how living for Jesus impacts your daily life. We have so enjoyed all the guests we've had so far this season. We've talked about daily habits of prayer and Bible reading, developing a lifestyle of worship, minimizing the stuff in our lives and our homes so we can increase our kingdom capacity, and cultivating community in a healthy, godly way. If you missed any of those episodes, I encourage you to go back and give them a listen or go watch them on YouTube while you're there. Liking, subscribing, leaving reviews and comments on any of the platforms where you find the podcast is a free easy way you can show your support for the work we are doing here we appreciate any and every way you let us know what these conversations mean to you today we have another great one pastor tony oliver of the west side apostolic pentecostal church in indianapolis joined me to talk about ethics Now, that might seem like a weird, old fashioned, or formal topic, but I think as you listen, you will hear how the principles of Christian ethics truly never cease to be relevant if we want to grow and flourish in our individual callings in the kingdom of God. I loved this chat so much, and I can't wait for you to hear it. So here is my conversation with Pastor Tony Oliver. Pastor Tony Oliver, welcome to Good Question.
1: Good afternoon, Sister Jessica Tanderup.
0: It's so exciting um, to finally get to talk to you. You are a name that came through my Instagram uh, when I put out a question for our listeners a while back. This has been a while. Um, I asked about people that they thought would be great to have on the podcast and um, your name came up. And so we've been talking back and forth for several months to try to get this situated and ready to go. And so I'm excited to finally be chatting with you. Before we get into our topic today, I want you to go ahead and just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are.
1: Thank you so much, Sister Jessica. It's an honor uh, to be with you all today, and I appreciate your ministry and what you do. Uh, My name is Tony Oliver, and uh, my wife and I have been married for 24 years. We have three wonderful children, and uh, we pastor the Westside Apostolic Pentecostal Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. It was founded in
0: 1914.
1: Oh and wow! so we are blessed and honored to pastor such a great group of people and serve the community there.
0: That's very cool. An old, old church. Been there yes. for a long time. That's yes. cool. The church I grew up in was founded in 1920 oh, wow. um, by my great grandfather. And so it's it's amazing to have such a rich heritage of godly men and women that were blazing a trail. I often wonder if they could see us now. What they would think of how our movement has grown and changed and expanded?
1: Yes, that is something that I would love to have done. I (laughs) I wonder what the Lord does sometimes. You know, with 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 those that have uh, our forefathers and our mothers in Zion. I wonder Mm. what they really do see. Yeah. Only heaven will know when we get there. Yeah. So it is. uh, We do have a rich heritage. We do. We do. Yes. Well,
0: like I said, we put your we put out a call on um, the ins- on our Instagram about topics and people to talk to, and Sister Jessie Canfield, who is a listener of the podcast, and we've had some interactions online. Um, Gave me your name and said, my pastor came and spoke at Bible College about ethics, ministerial ethics. And I think that would be a great topic. And I thought, ooh, that would be a really good topic. And so I'm really excited to include this in our fourth season of the podcast where we're talking about practical tips for Christian living. And so... I want us to just start with a really basic uh, understanding, explanation, I guess, of what ethics actually means and what it is. I know for myself, I have an understanding professionally in my in my secular job of what uh, ethics means, and I go to workshops all the time <laughs> um, yes. about different ways to apply our professional ethics. Um, but what does it mean, and how does it apply to us as Christians and as, as ministers?
1: If I can just... Uh, shorten the definition up for ethics, not just in the secular world, but also in ministry, I would have to probably put the word accountable next to mm-hmm. the word ethics. Uh, accountability is a big part of ministry. It's a big part of being a pastor. It's a big part of everyday life. Every one of us are accountable uh, to someone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my past experience with uh, using and practicing ethics, you know, it come. It didn't come from a textbook. Mm. It come from hands on. And mm. uh, my pastors that's been in my life, uh, the late Bishop Delbert Spall, and the late Bishop D.L. Winters, uh, been in my life. And uh, it's amazing because as a child growing up, you didn't really realize how things took place mm. and why they took place, why it was important. And um, I'm going to stay on subject here, Sister Jessica, but the importance of being accountable to your neighboring pastor, not just as a pastor from church to church, but also a friendship that is Uh built between you and the pastor. And so as far as being uh, accountable and practicing ethics, I've watched them how they would interact with neighboring pastors and even their saints. It does, uh, it it has kind of, when I say worn off, it's not as used in practice as as it should be. Hmm. In the secular world, as you was just speaking of which, uh, it's important, you know, for even in the medical field, A doctor doesn't leave it up to a nurse to tell the patient, you need to go to this doctor and never have communication from doctor to doctor. There is a patient confidentiality. So when that transition happens, there are things that are disclosed that the nurse does not know anything about. It's from Mm. doctor to doctor. Mm. Uh, There is a thing called golf ethics that's practiced at a golf course. From how, when you get up to tee off and how you address the ball, whoever's watching you, they are to be silent. It's part of golf golf ethics. Hmm. Uh, you know, when you go to the putting green, you don't walk. <laughs> you don't walk in the path of somebody that's getting ready to putt for an eagle or a birdie or a par putt or, in my case, a double bogey. <laughs> <know>? <laughs> so there are ethics that practice, and this is what's amazing. We. We, as, as just human beings, humanity, we, are, we practice more ethics at our workplaces than we do in our walk with God
0: mm. and at our
1: church and our accountability to our pastors. Mm. And when you reach that level, uh, when I say a level, it's only because of God that we pastor uh, or called into the ministry. Uh, it doesn't excuse us or it doesn't exempt us from being accountable to a pastor and uh, I do have a pastor in my life, Reverend Gary Keller from Lancaster, Ohio, and he calls me and asks me if I'm still preaching the gospel, if I'm still mm-hmm. preaching holiness. He asks me how my married life is. If I'm make sure I'm treating his cousin good, you know. So, <laughs> so there's ethics that are that are involved that leads to to accountability. Mm. If if I can if I can ha- if I had a text, I was going to open up with today regarding mm-hmm. ethics the apostle paul if he was uh taught anything he taught about ethics because um, he went from church to church uh mm-hmm. from the, the church of corinth you know uh, the, the romans and thessalonica and he went from church to church setting up things they didn't understand what he was doing but he was holding them accountable mm-hmm. he was teaching them um ethics regarding ministerial and so Paul said in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4, he tells us to follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And as I was studying this topic uh, a few years ago, that's the scripture that God laid on my heart. It begins with follow peace with all men. Well, if you have someone or if you are unethical in ministry or in in uh, the secular world it's not going to promote peace at all mm. it will promote division yeah friendships um, churches are divided because of people that do not practice ethics mm. their're spiritual ethics we're accountable to God uh, we can't come to him except we have faith we can't please him without faith and so when Paul said to follow peace with all men I will always practice ministerial and pastoral ethics and principles because of what how i've been taught Mm. it's just the right thing to do
0: Mm. yeah i like that it i think that's a that's a good concise definition of what ethical behavior is doing the thing that's the right thing to do and in certain situations um that's specific to like a profession Uh, the right thing to do for a police officer is not going to be the same thing as for a teacher, as for, um, in in a certain situation, everyone has their own role and their own right thing to do. But when we're talking about ministry and just being a Christian, I think about how um, being ethical and being a Christian should go hand in hand. Yes, It should be things like you're honest in your dealings.
1: Very good point.
0: And you're, and you're, your word means what it says. You know, I think about um, my husband and I attended a church in New York um, that was founded by uh, Bishop D.D. Dee Dee Davis. And one of the things that uh, Pastor Doug Davis will say about his father is that he's the same everywhere. He's the same in a pulpit speaking to a thousand people as he is in his living room with his grandkids. Um, he's the same his temperament is even his approach to life is the same he's not a different person in a different environment and i've always um admired that one that your your own son would be able to say that about you um a- after a lifetime of having observed you in different c- scenarios uh, but also just that you can that you can be that way that you can come to a point where who i am is a christian all the time
1: yes Great point, Sister Jessica. That is, um, you know, with with ethics, uh, and you can probably relate with this because of the heritage that you have. Uh, you know that if you go into a restaurant or store, and you know that someone has not practiced ethics, have not been ethical about things, even on business side, you're uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And if someone has not practiced that, you can tell that they are uncomfortable.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I don't allow it to happen to where if I go into a place and there's a neighboring pastor that's at a restaurant or a business that I can't go up and greet him, ask him how he's doing, his family's doing, and you know just greet them. It shouldn't be one of those things where you're looking for the nearest exit
0: mm-hmm. to get
1: out because you've done things unethically. Yeah. Ethics is practice. Unfortunately, ethics is practice, not behind closed doors. Mm. It's also practice openly because you are epistles read of all men. And yeah. one things that they will read about you is if you're ethical and you practice the principles of pastorship and, yeah. and just being a child of God. Um, you know, ethical success or failure, it can make or break a pastor's or a saint's uh, ministry or calling or even talents. And so, you know, with a desire for pastors to make sound ethical decisions and to flourish, the spiritual code of ethics needs to be practiced. Mm. And, and you're right. The compliment that was made, uh, you know, from the, uh, from Reverend D.D. Dee Dee Davis is, uh, is a very large compliment.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, because that's the way ethics should be. It should, yeah. it should, it should be practiced on all level from, from the pulpit to if you're out on a fishing boat, if you're on a golf course, if you're in a shopping mall, wherever you are at restaurant, ethics should always be practiced. Yeah. It is. It's. Uh, I think it's one of the limelights of being a child of God. Mm-hmm. How the Holy Ghost shines through us, and it should, is that we continue to practice ethics.
0: Yeah. And it, I'm thinking about what you were saying with regards to golf. Um it's a set of it's a set of norms. It's it's behaviors that everyone knows what to expect when they walk into the scenario, and it's also there for your protection, right? Like in yes. that scenario, like you're playing like a, a game. It's a sport, but you're you're hitting a projectile, yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> and it's
0: very uh, heavy, and it could cause damage to someone if someone's behaving outside of the expectations and the guidelines that are set. So you're protecting. Protecting yourself, you're protecting those around you. Um, And I think about that in regards to our Christian walk. We're protecting the good name of not only ourselves, but our church, our pastor, and then ultimately the Lord, because if people know who we are, our behavior doesn't just reflect on us, Uh, it reflects on all of those things. And so we can protect ourselves and we can protect our church and we can protect our pastor And, and the reputation. Um, of the body of Christ as a whole by operating in a way that's ethical.
1: Yes, and that's that is a great point. Um, I like what you said. I, I had this. I had this wrote down because ethics is protection mm. because ethics will promote you or promote accountability. Mm-hmm. And Sister Jessica, I I don't have to belabor uh, or elaborate on this point. There are a lot of men and women and young people type age uh, we are living in a day where they don't want to be accountable mm. they don't want to be accountable to anyone they want to show up clock in do their work do their part and then leave and be done ethics um you know i know that then there could be churches that they might have a large number of people where they cannot really get to the pastor but they can let a minister, uh their, a minister, part of the ministerial team or staff, know that if they're not going to be in service or not, why they couldn't be there when they're going out of town. Because uh, you know, there's there's there has to be there has to be something put in place. As Jesus uh, talked about the lost sheep, about uh, the one shepherd leaving the ninety nine to go find the one, that means he knew all hundred sheep, mm. and so. They were accountable to him, and noticing that one was missing out of 99, he went to look for them. And that speaks volumes about our Savior, about God uh-huh. Almighty. He even practiced and taught ethics. And even down to where Peter said, hey, we don't have money to pay taxes. But what was right was right. And he said, listen, uh-huh. we're going to get that taken care of. He uh-huh. he didn't have to do that, but he did. He even practiced ethics and because it was because of protection of the disciples. He was trying to protect their reputation of what was about to happen to them and set them up, not just for, not for failure, but for success. Hmm. If, if He didn't, then He would have left them unlearned, not knowing what to do and what to practice. But they were accountable to what was put in place by Caesar. And so they rendered under Caesar, which is Caesar, and under God's, which is God's. I believe with all of my heart that God honors someone that is accountable to their pastor, whether their pastor is, you know, at arm's length away, or he's a phone call away or a text away. Um, it it shows spiritual growth as well hmm. when you are accountable to a, a spiritual leader in your life. Uh-huh. And, and I say this. Uh, respectfully, I didn't say accountable to spiritual leaders because mm. we're living a day and age where there's a lot of things, uh, YouTube and, and and don't take this wrong, podcast,
0: <laughs> podcast. Yep, <laughs>
1: because people people are looking for ways to justify of being unethical, mm. Mm. and they really don't want to be protected like they like they think they should be. Yeah. They want to justify their own ways. For for instance, let me give you a quick illustration uh, how so easily people are influenced. There was a lady that I know and I've known for a long time. Uh, they were in the middle of transition from one church to the next, and they were just visiting around. I call it wondering. They were going from one church like they were checking out houses to, to, to move into. And it was a dangerous thing. It took a long time. And and we'd we we, we had, we'd asked her and I say we I always throw God in there because it's important <laughs> I don't do this on my own and she uh, I had asked a question I said who's going to give an account for your soul if God was to come back right, right then and there you're not accountable you're just going from here to there and she said well I thought about that she said I guess I have to give an account for myself and oh I can't tell you what it done to me like, you're not going to give an account for yourself because we're human. Uh-huh. Job said in, cha- uh, in chapter 9, verse 20, that if I justify myself, that my own mouth shall condemn me. Uh-huh. So what he was saying was this, is there are people that will justify their actions of why they do and what they do and what they say. And uh-huh. it's very dangerous. I I've done something. That and I did. I did let the pastor know um, I had taught on ethics before, <clears throat> and so before I got there, I knew there was going to be a lot of people. There were some adults, and then there was a lot of college students there. And Sister Jessica, I brought a stack of our church cards with us, and I picked out two young men and one young lady in the audience that I knew a little bit. And before this started, I I told them. I said. I need you to pass these out at our break and tell them that I pastor a church in Indianapolis. I have several positions open, paid positions, and I just built it up. And I said, I want you to do this at the break. Well, after the break had ended, we began to resume the meeting. And so I asked, I said, who would received a card from a young man or a young lady from our church uh, giving you uh, an opportunity to come to their church, and and I could just tell they didn't have to raise their hand. Just Sister Jessica, uh-huh. I've seen these young men; their faces turned blood red. This one lady was like shaking her head, like "Oh my gosh, I've been called." And I said, <laughs> "You are completely fine. I'm not going to broadcast this. I'm not going to call your pastor." But it, I, I said, "You have to understand this. First of all, it was very unethical of me to do what I had done." no pastor should contact a saint and say listen i have something for you Mm. let me just go in and go and insert this at this time even if if it's an evangelist that comes to a church and they see a young man or young lady that's very talented or very anointed they leave that church and they call a a a friend of theirs that pastors a church that needs a keyboardist or a drummer Mm. or they need a youth pastor or a Sunday school teacher or or whatever it might be and say, listen, these I was there, they were incredible. They would benefit your church and give them the information of this young person that is going behind the shepherds back, behind mm. the pastor's back, that is very, very unethical. And believe me, I've had that happen before mm. on a personal level. To yeah. where to where there was a man that called me, and offered me a position, and Sister Sister Jessica I didn't I didn't uh, devolve anything regarding my background as far as you know education and things like that. It's been hands on pretty much my whole life. I've surrounded myself with with uh, the elders of the church and the pillars of the church, and so I've learned all of this from their teaching, and not just their teaching, but how they they act. Uh-huh. And this pastor called me and offered me a position. And I immediately said, have you talked to my pastor? It got very quiet on the phone. And he said, I have not. And I said, I want you to know with all due respect that you might need to call him in the next 10 minutes because Mm -hmm. I'm going to call him as soon as we hang up this phone and let him know that you had called me. He was so embarrassed. He never called my pastor. I let my pastor know my pastor called him and, (laughs) and respectfully rebuked him. Because the Bible talks about, you know, all scriptures breathe out of God, hmm. by and, and by God, and it's profitable for teaching, reproof, and for correction. Sometimes there are young people, there are people in ministry that they long to be in a position, but they cannot. How can I put this? They are not patient with God. Mm. Because God called you two years ago, doesn't mean your calling is going to expire. It mm. never expires. Yeah, Paul said in Romans 11, 29, that the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. A couple examples. Nathan was used by God one time to go talk to David.
0: Mm.
1: You don't hear much about Nathan. Sometimes we're not patient enough. And so we're longing for an opportunity and we think that man opens the door. Man doesn't open a door. As God opens the door for you, that means he's already opened the door and talked to the pastor to let them know this is what's coming down the road for this individual. Yeah, Sister Jessica, this young man, he raised his hand and said, I was one that received a card. And I said, I just want to you know something. I didn't set you up for failure. I said, but that was very unethical of me. And it was very unethical for you to receive a card and take that. You're looking for a way out. And Sister, Sister Jessica, I, I feel the Lord right now, and, and, and I have to say this, that there are, there are Bible college students that could be approaching the end of their, uh, uh, their schooling as far as Bible college. They think that when they get out that there's no openings anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so they will grasp at anything. And for someone to lay something on the table and say, I'll pay you this amount of money. I'll pay you this amount of money. Knowing that there are whole mission works that could use their help and use their mm-hmm. and And I encourage them to talk to their pastor and say, would you pray with me? You can't go to your pastor and say, I just want to let you know that yeah. God's called me here. That's yeah. very unethical. You have your pastor join in with you in prayer. And you see what God will open the door for you. It might not be a church. church. It could be at a home missions work somewhere. It could be at a large church. But when God goes before you, he makes all the rough places plain and the crooked path is straight. He will open the doors if we allow him to. And the only way that can happen if we practice ethics, uh, ministerial ethics as well. And even our yeah. Christian walk with God.
0: Yeah. Mm, it's so good. Yes. Because it goes back to yeah. our feeling like we have to be in control of things and taking the shortcut seems like the best way sometimes. And then what we don't realize is that it's going to take us down a path that we don't want to go down. And the Lord knows better.
1: Oh yes. And even
0: when we chafe at having to go go through certain <sighs> jump through certain hoops, at least that's the way it feels sometimes when you're anxious to get on with what you want to do and what you believe God's called you to do they're there for your protection it's there for your for your help and not to hurt you and so
1: hmm yes and you know the, the word of God is full of <clears throat> of ethics and uh, and principles of doing right and wrong that exists within the word of God um, you know it, it it contains numerous prescriptions or laws uh, that should be used to guide one's actions and and, and it, it goes even with with saints of of transferring to another church it shouldn't mm. be a it shouldn't be a a, a deal where uh, you know that the, the church is gathering there's revival and people's coming to your church people think and when I say people pastors think that when someone's baptized in Jesus name filled with the Holy Ghost that they're going to be there for 40 years mm. we don't know what God's called them to do and yeah. as a pastor we have to see if there's a talent or a gift or a calling that God has put on their life and say, Lord, whatever it is, you have entrusted me to help them and prepare them for whatever use you have for your kingdom and in your time, that it's your will. We can't keep them. We have to send them out. If we don't, when we keep just bringing in, we end up being the Dead Sea. Yeah, when we should be sending them out to home mission works and 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 missionaries and and uh, AYC trips and uh, the the works that have been started and yeah. it, it's so important to practice that.
0: Yeah, my there husband is. and I have talked a lot recently. So we head out on Monday of next week uh, to Denmark on AIM, and we're very excited. It's been a very long process, but we've talked about looking back over the past 10 years of our marriage. um, My husband's in the military, so we've been in several different churches in different states and different districts of the UPC, and we've talked about how the Lord has been so gracious to place us every time in churches where pastors have that mindset of – Not of hoarding people and talents and gifts and money, but of having an open hand to say, God, you know, we're here as a training ground. We're here to equip the body of Christ and to send people out. And that's been so empowering for us um, whenever we did start to feel a call of God towards missions to know that we were in a place where we could go speak to our pastor and say, this is what we feel. And to trust that the Lord was also speaking to him oh, and that, beautiful. you know, it's it's beautiful. But but we've also seen other places where pastors don't have that mindset. And the sad thing is, is like you said, it, it becomes a closed circle and there's no growth and there's no excitement or revival. It's just stagnant because their hands are closed. And you, we've, we, my husband and I have said this sometimes, God won't place anything into your closed fist. You have to open your hands. Um to surrender to him and and then he will add to you even more. Yes. Um, but only if you're willing to give it. And so yes. um, it's hard as a human being who wants control and,
1: <laughs> and wants is.
0: to be, <laughs> it, it has a kind of a scarcity mindset. Um, it's hard to get our brains wrapped around that kind of kingdom mindset. But if we can, uh, there's so much more freedom there.
1: Oh, there is. And do you know, I don't know how uh, the law works regarding podcasts as disclosing names, but <laughs> Reverend Jerry Jones, I'm sure you know who he is. Yes. Well, one of the greatest preachers, I believe, in Pentecost, uh, it was, he, he gives honor because there was a man that felt the call of God to start a bus ministry at their church. He goes to his pastor, long story short, the man picked up Brother Jones and his siblings and took him to Sunday school every Sunday. And look where Jerry Jones is today. Yeah. It's because Brother Jones went to his pastor, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's a God feel like God's called me to the ministry and look where he yeah. went because he's there were steps that you take to get yeah. where God wants you to be. And the yeah. same thing with you. That that is just that's just amazing.
0: Yeah. So, tell me this. So, you said yes. you've learned all of these things through experience and being exposed yes. to great men of God who instill these principles in you. I also have had experience of being in a pastor's home and being familiar uh, with with the way, the um, kind of appropriate way things should go as mm-hmm. far as ministries, like you were saying, transitioning churches, uh, how how pastors deal with uh, issues in their church and and their ministries within their churches and things like that. Um, we mentioned that you you gave a, a talk about this at a Bible college uh, service, and so you've talked some about why this is important for young people to n- understand. And I think that um, kind of as a generation, um, the the secular mindset of this generation probably pulls us more towards an individualistic, got to fight, got to scrap, got to get, make my own way um, kind of mindset, which is contrary to what we're talking about. So, if there are young people that don't have that kind of mentorship kind of guiding them in the right direction, what can they do? How can they learn about what is the appropriate way to go about doing these things? What kind of resources do you know of that could help them with with growing in this area?
1: Sister so, Jessica, that is a great question. <laughs> Jeremiah talked about the old paths.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: he said, "When you find them, he said, walk therein, and you'll find rest for your souls." Um, my heart's troubled, my spirit's troubled because of that. Because there are those that want to do right and want to do things right, but they don't know how to help doing it. Um, I'm very honored. Uh, I I do get calls from hyphen aged people. Uh, Either even, you know, full-time evangelists ask me different things. And the first thing I tell them is, have you talked to your pastor? Mm. I always revert back to their pastor. That's their spiritual authority in their life. And if they say, well, I've called, I've tried. I said, well, just be patient, but don't do anything. Don't make any decisions. Don't make any move. Continue to continue to do what you know to do. Get in the word of God. It will lead and guide you. I have a book. That I carry around with me, and I'm sure you've probably heard of it, A Tale of Three Kings mm. by Gene Edwards.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: one of the most powerful books I have probably ever read in my life. And I read it quite often, at least once or twice a year. It It's not put on a shelf. It's laid on my desk at all times because it reminds me of where and who I'm, account- I'm accountable to and oh. what God has placed in my life these these young people that are looking for direction or or how to be ethic uh, uh practice ethics and be ethical uh find someone in the church that has been there somebody said well you just said not to talk to anybody but the pastor find an older lady in the church that's a mother of zion that's been there for 40 years or a or a, uh you know a spiritual father that's been there for a long time a pillar. They might not hold a position in a church, but they're a pillar. They're not just, uh, uh, you know, just you know, a piece of uh, just just somebody being there in in a church. I'm trying to think of the the word here. Um, We we try to think that you know they're just a lamp that's hanging on the wall and that's it. They just Mm -hmm. you know provide light. You flip a switch and it's be done. But I I've had the opportunity to be around a lot of people in my life, Sister Jessica, at the same church. The one of the people that's been there today has been there for over sixty years, mm. and so I tend to ask them questions. Not that I'm going behind my pastor's back, but ask them questions. You would not believe the wisdom that they have. Yeah, you know. And so, uh, so in saying that, um, that that book is good. Uh, talking to uh, even a bishop uh, of a church somewhere, he'll tell you about ethics will tell you about principles and how you should lead and guide your life and whatever your calling and whatever your gift is, they will help you practice that and get it mm-hmm. because it is, it's not something that you learn once. Yeah. You practice it daily. Yeah. There's no, uh, you, you know, you don't have any credential, uh, you don't receive a diploma for, you know, for fulfilling the, the ethics and the principles of the law of God. Uh, yeah. it's something that you practice day in and day out. Yeah. So um, it, it's, you know, uh, with, with and, and, you know, with what you're saying about, you know, how do you what do you point them to? It goes back to the authority. Okay. Some of them don't want to be accountable because maybe a pastor might not see what they feel or what God has showed them. Just stay put where you are. David stayed put where he was, even though he was anointed. He was still under and submitted to the authority of King Saul. Huh. and David didn't make a move until God allowed him to and when that was all said and done this is really amazing you talk about someone that practiced ethics I know he messed up and he cut off part of you know saul's robe and could have killed him but in the very end if there was a man that ever practiced ethics, we're talking spiritual, not physical. a huh. man ever practice practice ethics, it was David. Because when it was all said and done and news came in that Saul and his sons had been killed, David sent the army and they recovered the bodies of Saul, brought them back and they memorialized them. They yeah. gave them and honored them. And so uh, that, that's, that's something because, unfortunately, uh, Saul didn't see in David what God seen in David. And David knew that, but yet he stayed submitted. He didn't run away. He didn't go to a different tribe. He didn't go to a different nation. Uh, his allegiance was still with with, with God's people, because yeah. God had called him, and he was just he, he was uh, it, it was a prophetic thing for him. And so he stayed the course. If I could tell someone uh, a married a young married couple, someone that's that's biting at the bit to do something for Christ just stay the course stay grounded god in his time will use you
0: mm.
1: a young man asked me one time about his ministry sister jessica he said pastor he said i feel like god's called me to preach but you have you have not used me um and i said why well, have you done a bible study he said yeah i've, I've done a few bible studies and and he yeah, said have you went and visited someone in in the juvenile or or the prisons and he said no i haven't done that yet i said well, I so said, you might not, ministry's not behind the pulpit as people think it is. Most of your ministry uh, is going to be behind, or excuse me, out behind from the pulpit mm. because people's going to see you. Uh, they're going to experience you, not just in a suit and tie, but out in the open. But I asked him this question I said, what if God was preparing you to be another Jonah? You hear just a few things about Jonah, but one of the greatest things you hear about him. Is him being sent to Nineveh, a place he didn't yeah. want to go to, but mm-hmm. God called him. And I said, if God used you one time to speak eight words to over two hundred and fifty thousand people, and what a crusade that was! All of them were filled with the God's Spirit, and you know they began to follow Jonah's God. Would you say that your your, your calling was successful? That mm-hmm. you were successful in your ministry. I said, don't jump at the bit and think I've got to go here. and I got to go there. Let God open that door for you. And sometimes the first calling is not going to be, in, you know, at a youth rally
0: hmm. or a
1: holiday youth convention or a general conference. It's uh-huh. going to be at a table at a Waffle House somewhere. <laughs> and it's going to be at 1130 at night. And it's not going to be with a pleasant person. There's going to be a yeah. lot of trouble. Because God will never set you up for failure in front of those thousands of people that maybe on down the road He wants to use you, but he wants to know if you're willing to do it right now. Yeah and so God will tell that person if his calling, but not just that God will never go behind his authority. He will never uh, he, he will never um, I'm trying to think of the word here that they use uh, uh, undermined. Or um, undermine the authority that he's put in place because everything is done decently in order. He will mm-hmm. always let the pastor know. And then when, when you go to your pastor, he's already been made aware of by God. Yeah. So th- there's a divine order that God's put in place for that. Yeah. Yeah. So.
0: I'm just thinking about, you know, when in doubt, just err on the side of honesty, err on the side of patience, err on the side of being open and transparent with your leadership. Um, when you start stumbling off into secrecy and uh, having to make up a story to uh, explain why you did something that you did, I'm just thinking about, about oh Saul and oh <laughs> his impatience and his um, usurping of authority and usurping of position. And then, uh, like you said, the story of David, just it just goes to show that you can be under unethical leadership and be hurt by be hurt by your leadership and you can still walk away and do the right thing. Those are not, those don't mean that you're going to, that you can, well, it's, it's all is lost now. This is all I know. Um, So I guess this is the way I'm going to do things too. Like there's always a chance to turn it around and say, no, I'm going to do things the right way. Even if at my own detriment, Um, what is that verse? I can't, I'm trying to think of it in Proverbs that talks about the man who swears to his own hurt and changes not. That verse always jumps out at me um, as the epitome of an ethical, godly person to say, I'm going to make this vow and then realize later down the road that this is not in my best interest, but I'm going to stick to what I said I was going to do to my own hurt.
1: Sister Jessica, that is powerful.
0: That's uh, difficult.
1: (laughs) Yes, And you have to understand who wrote that. Solomon, Mm. the one that said when everything was all said and done of the things that he had done was very unethical that this is all empty. It's all vanity. It's all pride. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, can I preach for just a moment? (laughs) Go for it. (sighs) Because ethics, ethics, if you are not practicing ethics, pride will always lead to destruction. When Mm. you say, I will do this and I will do that. You are already setting your ministry and you're calling up for failure. Mm. You cannot go behind your pastor's back spiritual authority back and say, or usurp the authority as the word I was looking for a while ago, usurp the authority to say, you know what, I'm going to open this door for myself. Mm -hmm. I don't need God. God, I think God will be with me if I just do this. That's Mm. very, very dangerous. Very dangerous.
0: Mm. All right. I want to shift this just a second because we're talking a lot about ministry Yes, and we're talking a lot about church. Um, but I know that we probably have people listening to this podcast that, um, may you know, they're Christians and they're going to their churches and they're doing things, but their main, um, the main thrust of their life is not in a church ministry. It's more into a profession. And I believe God calls some people to be a light in certain fields and you go be a doctor, you go be a lawyer, and those fields have their own professional ethics um, that sometimes are seem to be contrary to what we would say are Christian ethics. So, for example, I'll give you a personal example. I'm a sign language interpreter. We have a code of professional conduct. Um, And like I said before, I've been to workshops after workshops, took classes in college, all about how to apply our code of professional conduct. And there have been times over the course of my career where I have had The ethical thing for me to say was, no, I can't go and interpret in that situation because I don't agree with what's being said there. And I can't be ethical as an interpreter in that situation. I can't go in there um, and be neutral. I can't go in there and be supportive of what's happening in that environment. um, So I'm going to not accept that job. But there have been other times where I haven't had a choice. Um, where I've been a staff interpreter at, at a facility and there's this meeting that's happening and you're the person. And everything in this meeting I completely disagree with, but I have to show up there, put on my neutral face and just go for it. Um, and the Lord and I have had long talks before and after those situations where I've said, God, you got to help me do this because I don't want to be here. Um, but I've also seen where God has used that in influence with people yes. who knew who knew I was there and that I didn't agree Yes, and that I was able to set that aside and do my job. And I've maintained relationships with people who are not Christians who believe very different things than I do, um, but who have seen that. And I I don't say this to to build myself up. It's just been a lesson for me that there are times when we think that our Christian ethics always should trump our professional ethics but in my experience, that hasn't been the case. Would you, sure. would you support that? Would you, or would you disagree with me on that at all?
1: I do disagree with you. I commend you for what you're doing. <laughs> Remember this, Paul said. When I'm in Rome, I do as the Romans do. Mm. It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees that said, "Hey, look at this. Look at this man. He's called himself Christ and Master. He's eating with the sinners and publicans. Mm. Everything that Jesus done, he didn't do." in front of Christian people. Yes, he had a following when he came, but they dissolved quickly. The Mm -hmm. ones that he killed, supplied their needs, they were the same ones that said crucify him and give us Barabbas. Sister Jessica, Jesus said this, that we are the salt of the earth, okay? When the salt has lost its savor, it's not good for anything. Mm. And then he also said, that we are a city that is set on the hill that cannot be hid. If that's the case, where are we supposed to show the light at? Mm-hmm. Are we supposed to show the light on Sundays only? Mm-hmm. Or in a setting like that, when you're not supposed, because you have people watching you saying, okay, they're not supposed to be here. They really don't. What are they doing sitting here? Mm-hmm. Why are, can I, can, can I share something with you? Mm-hmm. Our church is in the roughest neighborhood in the city of Indianapolis. I told the church, it's not too long ago. I have been in the midst of drug deals. I've seen people do drugs. Uh, you just, I mean, you wouldn't believe it to where people are like, and you didn't call the police. And I tell them, no, I don't want them to go to jail. I want them to come to church. Hmm. I'm not saying that boastfully. What I'm saying is this, is that when, when God calls us into ministry or calling, our ethics is not just about church. You just said mm. this; it's even outside of church. So, what if you, for instance, I'm, I'm here at our lower level, level at, at our home, and I have a I have a plaque that a uh, the Christ Redeemed Church of God had presented to us a few years ago. They invited me to come and preach, and so it was an honor. I told my wife, I said, "Let's pray about it," and we accepted the offer, and I let the church know that. We are not changing doctrine of the <laughs> Gospels. I said, we're going to go and fellowship with them. They invited us. And so my wife and I and their children and a lot of the saints, a lot of the saints, we packed it out and we preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. They treated us so well. And so in saying that, somebody said, are you serious? You, you mean you went to, listen, we can't just stay on our side and say, that's it. He sent them out two by two and said, go into the highways and the byways. If you begin to define that and begin to look that up, you would be surprised where they say that, where that really means and where you should go, what you should do.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm not
1: saying we partake of the sin or what's going on, Mm -hmm. or we are condoning the meeting that you was there for. Mm
0: -hmm. People
1: don't realize what we're really being used for. Yeah, You know? Uh, and you can go back to David. You can go back to Moses. And, uh, you know, you go back to Abraham. And you think about the situations that they were in. Some of them didn't tell the truth about mm-hmm. that's my sister. No, it's not your sister. <laughs> David was spitting and slobbered all over himself and acting nuts was the situation that, that he was in. But in the world that we are living in, we better make sure our light shines. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that. This does not justify someone's lifestyle of going somewhere and shouldn't do this or shouldn't do that, we should always keep at the forefront of our minds that he's brought us out of darkness into mm-hmm. his marvelous light and that we are witnesses, we are testimonies. And as mm-hmm. we said earlier, we are epistles read of all men. How can they read us, Sister Jessica, if we're not in their presence?
0: Hmm. Yeah. They're not going to come looking for us. A lot of no. them aren't.
1: No, no. They we're not a we book are. they're
0: going to pick up off the shelf on their own. But if we're the right there.
1: That's exactly right.
0: And if we're the same everywhere we go, if we are who we are, and that's just the way it is, and Wait, we're not shape shifting to fit into these right. environments and trying to make them think we're, we just are who we are.
1: Well, you're exactly And that right. brings
0: influence. Yes.
1: Well, Jesus, the word of God tells us that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You used the word. And I appreciate you pointing mm-hmm. that out. We have to be the same, no matter where we are, and yeah. what our calling is, and what we're doing, yeah. Wherever we are, yeah. So, uh, can, I, mm. can I can I share can I share oh, uh, something? I know. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at these uh, the, the, the notes here. That, that yeah. Uh, go for we it. Where I think
0: we've covered everything we were needing to cover. So you yes. You go wherever you, you want to go.
1: You had said something about lay people in in our churches that need yes. to understand yes, 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 and may yes, yes, often yes. misunderstand about ministerial ethics. Yeah, uh, and, and I, I just want to just uh, just kind of uh, address that just for a moment. Yeah, when when someone feels their need to go to a different church, you should talk to your pastor. It should be a glorious separation or a transitioning, mm-hmm. if I should say it that way, because of work or whatever. But even if it's a local church and there's a transition of a saint, there's nothing wrong with that. You shouldn't be like, oh, I'm not going to go over there, or feel intimidated or threatened by a neighboring pastor. Uh If that's where they should be to be saved, then so be it. But it shouldn't be one of those things where they leave on bad terms and there's no phone call from the pastor that has received them Uh and say, listen, we have a saint that's that that that's come from your church. You know, uh, sometimes people will put pastors in very, very tough uh, predicaments. And but people are vulnerable. We are we are know that. And so we cannot, uh, we we cannot condone uh, their, uh, I don't want to say spiritual immaturity, but sometimes they do feel like, well, they got a burr under their saddle. I'll just go over here, and I'll just go over there. Mm. Then mm. there's people that I know, Sister Jessica, they've been to six to seven different churches, and so automatically, it you automatically think this, it's not the church, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's an individual because there's a, <laughs> there's a spiritual battle going on mm-hmm. if there's a saint that needs to, that that wants to be transitioned if it's god's will i don't think there should be a problem and you shouldn't go behind their back and talk to a pastor about the previous pastor or the church uh, maybe that you're disgruntled with everyone's mm-hmm. disgruntled i'm very careful with what i listen to from wow. a saint that's transitioning if they say oh i want to make this my home church I completely throw my hands up and said, oh, just wait, just for a moment. Have you discussed this with your pastor? No, I have not. Have you prayed about it? No, I have not. And I say this with all due respect. You're not welcome back here until you talk to your pastor and talk to God first. And they get this real ugly look on their face like I have rejected them. And I tell them, (laughs) I'm just trying to teach you that if you don't practice ethics, Christian ethics, you will absolutely destroy your calling your ministry even your walk with god Mm -hmm. but when that transition happens with saints you can still be friends and go to a different church especially a neighboring church Mm. there are always things that happen when there's transitions of pastors saints transition and things like that but it should not be a business of proselyting from other churches to try to get saints because the pastor does not know the people that he might be receiving, yeah, Uh, you know, just like a doctor changing (laughs) patients, you know, from, you know, from one patient to to another patient, to a doctor, to another doctor. Uh, So if if there's a saint that's listening, be very careful. Uh, Even if there's change in the church, as long as they're following the, the, the doctrine of Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord stay put for a while until God releases you he won't release you first until he releases your pastor first. Yeah. And so make sure you're in communication with your pastor. Don't be influenced by another sheep of another church. Mm. And uh, It's dangerous.
0: It is. It is dangerous, but it's where it's real life. It's real life. We've all seen it or done it or experienced it in some, in some side of it. We've all, we've all seen it. We all know that it happens. So it's important that we know how to do it the right way.
1: Absolutely. Um, Call your pastor. Even if it's a, it, our ministers of the church they know that if they get a call from another pastor to come and preach they always ask them have you talked to my pastor first because the pastor knows them and mm-hmm. so which is a good thing to, to to do if you go behind the pastors back to contact someone to open a door for yourself then you're doing it the wrong way it's not God's will very yep. very important you know so
0: so important
1: oh it is it is
0: well, I think we've covered pretty much all the questions that I had for you, except for our very final question, which we always mm-hmm. have the same one. And that is, because our show is called Good Question, what is a good yes. question that you are asking yourself lately?
1: Okay, I'm going to use a question, and uh, he was a big inspiration to me in my life. Uh, he was eventually not just my pastor, but my father-in-law, and he's going on to be with the Lord. And he always asked this question, and this is a very good question. How can a black cow eat green grass and produce (laughs) white milk? That's a good one. His his ways are far above our ways. (laughs) Yes, they are.
0: Yes, they are.
1: Just to break it up a little bit with humor. Yes, so, sir.
0: That's awesome. I love it. Yes. Oh, yes. thank you so much for joining us. And thank you to Sister Jessie for uh, giving us your name. This was such a great conversation. I really, really appreciate all of your wisdom and your insight today.
1: Well, I give God all the glory. I I cannot do it without him, and I don't want to do it without him, Sister Jessica. The Lord's thank been you. good to us. And yes, I, sir. I And I'm, I'm very grateful. I am grateful for your ministry, yours and thank your husband's. You. God bless you and what you're doing for God's kingdom. Thank you so much. Yes, it's truly an honor.
0: You guys, I loved chatting with Pastor Oliver so much. First and second Samuel are probably my favorite Old Testament books because the story of Saul and David is rich with examples of how we can get it so right when we choose to do things God's way and so wrong when we step out of sync with Him. It's so applicable to today as you just heard. Special thanks again to our listener Jesse Campfield for suggesting this topic and getting us in touch with Pastor Oliver. If you have someone you'd like to hear on the podcast or a topic you'd like us to tackle, send us an email to goodquestionshow at gmail.com. We just might make it happen. I cannot wait to hear your thoughts on this one. I want to know, was Christian ethics a topic you'd ever heard taught? Is this a new idea for you? Do you have any examples of Christian ethics that were applied really well that you'd like to share? Hop on over to social media to talk about it. On Instagram, you can find us at Good Question Show, and I'm at Jessica Tanderup. That's Jessica T, as in Tuesday, A N D E R U P, and we are also on Facebook. This podcast is a production of Good Question Media. It's produced and hosted by me, Jessica Tanderup my co-producer, editor, and a man who has shown me a ton about practicing Christian ethics in a secular work environment is my husband, Dave Tanderup. That's it for this week. We'll be back here next Tuesday with another good question. See y'all then.